Get this in my pocket real quick. Y'all, welcome to RUF. I am preaching tonight, and I'm very excited to be preaching here. Um, it's part of the internship that second-year interns generally will preach at large group. I know some of us have talked about before you may be wanting to be an intern. Get a good look. This is what it's all about. <laughs> no, but really, I'm very excited to preach tonight. Um, I love RUF, and I really love this RUF, and I'm excited to talk about tonight some of the things that a few, of, a few of you and I have talked about a lot recently, and so I'm really excited. I think this is going to be good. I'm also a tad nervous, and so please bear with me, as I have never given a sermon before, and so I'm excited to, I'm excited to give this first one to y'all. But uh, So we've been going through the Ten Commandments this semester, and I want to begin saying this and you probably, we, we, you've heard this because we say this every week, but it really helps to hear this again. The Ten Commandments are a list of commandments given to a people delivered. The Ten Commandments are given to a group of people who have been freed from bondage in Egypt. And they tell them how to live life to the fullest. So what does that mean for us? It means in Christ, the Ten Commandments offer no condemnation but they're meant to be life-giving. Even the commandments that are not the easiest to deal with, like the commandment we're going to look at tonight. But we, what we are going to be looking at tonight is going to be a little different than what we've done so far because the, t- the Ten Commandments can be said to be divided into two different sections. The first four commandments and the last six. If you want to think of Moses holding the tablets, we're moving on to the next tablet now. The first four commandments, they lay out to us how, how to love God. We can put it this way. The first four commandments, they tell us how we, are to, how we were intended to relate to the God that created us. And the second section of the Ten Commandments where we begin tonight is like that, and then it teaches us how we were created to live. But now it's going to start teaching us on how, how we were made to live with each other. This next section of the commandments teaches how to love people how we were intended to interact with each other. We can put it this way. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In these are contained all the law and the prophets. This is what he's talking about. He's saying the commandments mean this. It means you love the Lord your God, and you love each other. You learn how to love each other. And we're going to break down how to do that, starting with our parents. And that can be a tough one, I know. Particularly, this one is, is, is one that I get excited and also a little nervous to talk about. Because let's be real. Sometimes our relationships with our parents isn't great. But it's important to hear this. And so let's jump right into the text. Tonight, the text comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is the fifth commandment. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is given to you. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to open with a word of prayer. And I say that saying, just because you come to RUF, I'm not going to make the assumption that you're here and that you're a Christian and that you want to be. 
But I would like to open in prayer for two reasons. One, I'm nervous, guys, and I, and, and I need to pray so I can get through it. But secondly, because we believe that when we go to the Word, it's not me who, who, who preaches. It's that the Holy Spirit preaches to us through His Word. And so I want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to preach to us through this text tonight. So if you're willing, I'll ask you to bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You deliver us. We thank You that that is Your intention, to deliver us from our bondage. And God, we thank You that You have designed for us a community that's perfect. God, we thank You that You lay that out for us in these words. We ask as we look at it now, as we look at this commandment, that, that you will preach to us, to our hearts, what you want us to know about how we're supposed to interact with our parents. We lift this time up to you, that you would speak to our hearts. In your heavenly name we pray, amen. In the third Austin Powers film, Goldmember, Austin's band sings this song. <clears throat> Daddy wasn't there to take me to the fair. It seems he doesn't care. When I was first baptized, when I was criticized, when I was ostracized, when I was jazzercised, <laughs> Daddy wasn't there to take me to the fair to change my underwear. And he finishes saying, if you have a daddy issue, here's a daddy tissue. <laughs> Why do I read this? It's funny, and Jason got away with quoting Talladega Nights, and so I wanted to quote a movie too. <laughs> But also because it's relatable. Our relationships with our parents are often the most complicated relationships that we have, right? They're not always pretty. And I know that some of us do not want to hear someone say, hey, honor your father and mother. And I know this because I've talked to a bunch of us today that said, hey, what are we preaching on tonight? Honoring your father and your mother. And the response, I should have skipped. Dang it. <laughs> But God is doing something here, something really important. He's not just telling us to, to just get over it. Like, God actually has a really beautiful message here to us in this commandment. And so we're going to look at what that is, and we're going to ask two questions of the text tonight. And they're printed in your handout. The first, why does God want us to honor our parents? Why is that a commandment? Why should we do that? And secondly, we're going to ask practically, okay, how do we do that? How is God intended for us to interact with our parents. Let's go in. So we say every week the Ten Commandments are come to an already rescued people. That they are given to show us how life works best. You see, God liberates us and then shows us how, are we, how we are to live in His community. And that's what God is calling you into. He's calling into a community. But with these commandments, God is calling us into a community in a specific way. If you look at our text tonight from Ephesians, Paul says this. Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may, may live long in the land. Paul calls this the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That our days may be long in the land that the Lord is giving to us. What that is not saying is that if you're a good kid and you're a good son or daughter, that you're going to live a long time. You're going to be 190 years old because you always clean your room. That's not what he's saying. He's, making, he's got a bigger message to us here. The land he's referring to, and the land referred to in the Old Testament is the promised land, that God delivered his people out of Egypt 
And he says, okay, now I'm giving you a promised land where I will be your God and you will be my people and we will have this community together. And what that means for us is that God delivers us from sin and says, I promise that we will have a place together where I am your God and you are my people. I promise that you and I will have a healthy relationship and a loving relationship with each other. And I promise that you will have community with those around you. And so Paul unpacks this saying, we honor our parents so that this sort of thing can exist. God's doing a couple things here. He's, he's, he's breaking down two really big important things. First, God is showing us through this commandment um, that, uh, that he's making a case for honoring legitimate authority. Legitimate authority is designed by God, and he says we do well to honor and respect those in authoritative positions. And when I was thinking about this, I went very far down the nerd road, and I realized, do you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the Lord of the Rings. If you have read or seen the Lord of the Rings. So there's a kingdom in the Lord of the Rings called Gondor. And Gondor is missing its king because the line of kings has been broken, and they are a people without a king, and they have a steward. But there's a war coming. And the steward's not prepared to lead the city. But there's rumors that the king is coming back. And Gandalf, he's the white wizard, he comes to Gondor and he, and he, and he says, make way, the king is coming. And the steward says a strange thing. He, he, didn't, he, he, he doesn't want the king to come and he actually makes a move to take the throne himself. And Gandalf says this awesome thing. He goes, authority is not yours to deny the return of the king. And what he means is that the kingdom, Gondor, is designed to be a people with a king and that it works best when it has its king. And no one can stand in the way of that. You ignore that commandment to your peril. And what Tolkien is, what Tolkien is kind of showing us through this, this little story is Tolkien is showing us this message from God that, that God says, I have designed a kingdom for you that's perfect and you need to know that you are not the master of this kingdom. That there is legitimate authority that I've established, and it's good. But who does God say is a legitimate authority in this verse? Let's look at what it's really saying. The Bible is telling us here that we have to view legitimate authority and our parents the same way. This is a community designed in which our parents are authority for us. But here's the rub, right? Our parents don't look like kings. And sometimes they don't act like kings, right? So it it feels not enough to just say that this commandment is here to tell us that there is a perfect authority and you just need need to follow it. What it's saying is there's authority in this kingdom and that begins with your parents. Why your parents? You see, in the Old Testament, especially when this was going on, um, children lied on their parents to know what was going on. Histories were passed down orally from their parents. So the children in this time, they learned about the Exodus. They learned that they were once in bondage in Egypt and that God had delivered them. They learned that from their parents. They also learned another thing. They learned how to interact with other folks in the community through their relationship with their parents. In a sense, their parents... uh, Our our parents are our first stepping stones into, they're our first step into this community. And it actually makes sense then 
that our parents are imperfect, and it has to work that way, because what is God showing us in saying we must honor our parents? He's saying there are going to be people that you are going to recognize are imperfect, and I call you to put them higher than yourself. This is the claim of, this is, what the, this is how the gospel claims our communities, and this is why our parents are important. This is a legitimate authority established by God. In a sense, we really learn to trust God by looking at our parents and saying, this is the authority that, that he's given to us. And I can learn to put them above myself because this was God's design. But I also ask this question. I think, uh, I think about these Old Testament families and I, and I wonder, I wonder if it was possible that, um, that some of them didn't tell about the Exodus to their kids. That maybe even some of these parents in the Old Testament that this is being written to spoke unkind words to their kids or hurt them. Of course. Because relationships with parents are always, they have always been something that can be messy and can be a challenge and a complicated challenge. That's why God actually commanded us to honor our parents. He saw it necessary to make this commandment. But also we see that we need commandments like this after we look at the first couple commandments. Remember the first four that tell us how we are to love God? They reveal who God is, but they also reveal a little bit about us. Because the first commandments have shown us that we are prone to have idols, to be selfish, to speak unkind words, to speak harshly. The first commandments have shown us that we overwork. They've shown us that we are so unprepared to love God perfectly How can we ever learn to love a person perfectly? And it points us to this, that if we are ever going to have this sort of of relationship with our parents, then we are going to need to be learning and we are going to be taught that love love between people in this community is going to require understanding imperfection. Because let's face it, we are all imperfect. We're full of ourselves, and at the same time, we're strangely embarrassed of ourselves. And we all desperately, desperately want to be known, and we want to be loved. And our parents are no different than that. And so God says, honor your father and mother, for this is the way that you are to live in this community, because you understand your place that you are not the master, and there's authority that... You, you learn about the authority of God through respecting this authority of your parents. But also, I'm asking you to... I'm, I'm calling you into a community in which you are imperfect people. But, I, but God says, like, he wants us there, and he wants us to love each other. So this is design, then. This design to honor our parents is not a design for perfect people to do rightly. This was designed for people like us. It was designed for sinners to come and learn how to have healing with each other. That's why God calls us to honor our parents. We learn healing in our families and in our communities through that complicated relationship. And it's probably not in our nature to do that. In fact, it's probably more in our nature to want to back away from community, especially when it hurts us. When I was in high school... um, I had a really rough relationship with my parents. 
I think that I could even fairly say that, that in these years, like, I, I did not love them. Like, actively, when you think about just kind of actively showing a person love, didn't do it. it was, the home was a hard place for me, and you know how I responded? I responded by distancing myself from the family. I kind of made it up in my mind, if I'm going to be okay, if I'm going to right the ship that is my life, it's going to happen outside of the home. I'm going to have to get away, and the promises, this promise of God, the promises of God, they're going to have to wait until either the situation my parents has handled, or I'm away from them. See, I saw that the biggest obstacle to me growing and to me learning how to love God and how to love other people, that the biggest obstacle of that in my mind was my parents. I didn't choose my parents. My parents, and you didn't choose your parents, and my parents definitely didn't choose me. And I kind of get hit with this hard question. Do you trust God that he chose your parents rightly? That he chose your parents well? Do you believe that the family that you have is the family that God designed for you to have? Because surely we can't, we can't begin to understand why things would happen in our life that are negative, that, res- that involve our parents, unless we start to think why God would do that. And I, some of you may be nodding, thinking like, yeah, I'm pumped about my family situation. But then there are other ones, other people, people like myself who would, who would say, do I trust that God gave me this family? Why would he do that? Because we think that for all of this to work out, for this community to happen, that our parents have to be perfect. Isn't that strange that in a lot of relationships, especially our relationships with our parents, we ask that they show us mercy and grace, but we ask that they are perfect parents too. You be perfect. Please love me in my imperfection. Well, if I told you this is not the case, this is not only the way that Like, this is not how the Bible says our relationship with our parents is supposed to be. The Bible is clear that we and our parents, who are both called into this relationship, are broken and sinful. But it also says that not only should we honor them, but it's still possible. In fact, it's more than possible. Let's look at how we can honor our parents. There are basically three things that I have down. Three ways in which we can honor our parents in light of the gospel. First, we need to take them seriously. Second, we're going to need to grow up ourselves. And thirdly, and most importantly, we need to learn to forgive our parents. God has designated the office of parent to our parents. And whether we like it or not, they're older than us. And they most surely know more than we do about stuff. And this means that we need to take them seriously. This means that, like I said before, we need to trust God that, that these are the parents that God has, has designed for me to have. And I can take them seriously in saying that, like, you know what? I trust God that, that, I, that I am not making my relationship with him better by railing against these people that he has put in my life. 
That's almost like saying, God, I know you want to be with me. I want to be with you too. But, I ha- but like, we got to deal with my parents first. And God is saying, no, don't you understand? This is how this community is to work, is these are the parents that you have. And so we can start by taking them seriously. And that's pretty simple. I mean, practically, it looks like us not rolling our eyes when they say things that exhaust us or weary us. Not talking negatively to them or about them. Having what I like to call respect for the office. Because God has chosen them to be parents to us, not just chosen us to be children to them. And we need to respect them as they, as they try to do that. Secondly, we can honor our parents by growing up ourselves. To see what I mean, let's look at Ephesians verse 4. Paul calls, his father, Paul calls fathers to bring up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This means it's God's desire for us that we grow. He wants us to grow up. And that looks like knowing, that looks like knowing Jesus. And so that means that for us to grow up, we have to start looking to the Lord as not only our parents' God, but as our Lord. That means that we have to start learning how to find our approval and our identity not in what our parents think about us and not in how we want to distance ourselves from our parents, but in what the Lord has done for us. We find our approval and our identity in Him. It also means that we begin to take steps to be more responsible with things like our money, things like our time, things like, like our responsibilities at seasons in our life. You know, now we're in college, grades, Grades are something we can be responsible for. And the reason why we take these things seriously and why that's honoring to our parents is because we're making a move to say, I'm going to grow up. And I'm not going to let my parents be a placeholder for God that is not only my salvation and my identity, but is also the people that do everything for me. But I'm going to grow up as well as they are growing up in this community. And together with my parents, we're going to learn how to love God and what God is like. And we're going to find something out as we do that, as we begin to grow up. We're going to find out that our parents are people too. And sometimes that's, kind of, that's beautiful and sometimes it's kind of awkward like seeing a teacher outside of school. But like, you kind of find that your parents are people too. And that your parents are still growing up and changing just like they are. And Jason and I were talking about this, and he said this, and this is just great. And I want to quote Jason this. He was like, you don't like being stereotyped for where you are in your life. Don't do it to our parents. It doesn't do well to do that to our parents, because our parents are folks just like us who are, who are sinners but have been given this authoritative role. And we, need to, we need to understand that. But that means something could happen in our lives um, and it may be happening for you right now, but a time may come in your life where you have to forgive your parents. You have to look on your parents and be able to say, they have broken me, and they have hurt me, and I am undone. I feel more than betrayed. I feel undone because of this relationship with my parents. And we have to, kinda, we have to learn how to forgive. How do you show honor to your friends? You bear with them. 
You forgive them of their sin. You don't make them pay for their sin. That's how you honor your friends. Why is it so much harder to do that with our parents? I don't have a great answer to that. But I know it is. I know that it's very hard to, to, to not look at, at, at the sinfulness of your parents or just how your relationship with your parents isn't great and think, oh, you know, but I'm just going to forgive them. I'm just going to love them. There's a sense in which even I felt that when there's sinfulness in my parents' lives, I, I don't just feel mad. Sometimes I also feel guilty for it as well. I feel like their sinfulness is also my sinfulness. And I get stuck in this mire of thinking, this is such an unusual relationship. How could forgiveness ever work the way it does with my friends? And that's why I, you know, I, I try to distance myself. But guys, this commandment is calling us back into the community that God has designed for us. And it's, it's doing that by showing us that we can love our parents and that we are to honor them in these ways. And, and as we grow up, that we are to honor who our parents are our whole lives. And as it is with loving anyone, we recognize that we alike are sinful. And when you recognize that, that you're sinful together, it makes it possible for you to love each other together. And through that, to learn how to show honor to each other. And that still seems kind of impossible. I realize that. And I don't know exactly where you're coming from tonight, but this may not be something easy to hear, to learn to forgive your parents. So what do we do with it? Why is it difficult? How do we handle this difficulty? I mean, I submit, the only way that this is going to be possible the only way that I'm ever going to be okay with my parents, and more than that, that I'm ever going to be able to thrive in my relationship with my parents and learn how to love them and learn how to honor them, is by the gospel. The gospel being that Jesus Christ, when I was, when I was rebellious and angry, Jesus Christ, based on nothing that I did or could have done or could do, pulls me to himself forgives me of my sin, and welcomes me into his community. That gospel, that Jesus Christ died for this, makes honoring our parents possible. Jesus Christ died so that you can love your mom and your dad. Jesus Christ died so that your mom and your dad and you can have healing with each other. It reminds me of this quote from Theodore Dostoevsky. And the brothers Karamazov, he's talking about this. He's talking about how sinfulness keeps us apart from each other. But the forgiveness that Jesus brings for our, forgi- for our sinfulness is, is what should unite us. It should unite us to our parents. And he says this quote, I think it's beautiful. It's a little cheesy, but it's so good. It's so good. He says, and we, only we, are sinful and foolish And we don't understand that this life as it is laid out to us is heaven. We have only to understand that and it will at once be fulfilled in all its beauty. We shall embrace each other and weep. He says that sinners can embrace each other and weep tears of joy because they know what Christ has done for them. It makes makes that possible.
That's also what makes it possible for us to honor our parents. It's what makes it possible for fathers, when, when Paul says, fathers, raise your children this way. It makes it possible for them to do that. It also makes it possible for them to be redeemed when they fail. We need the gospel. We need this sort of thing for us to have this relationship with our parents. And we have it. God has given us forgiveness. That's why he gave us these commandments. Not so that we could eventually get it, but so that now that we've been delivered, we can live life to the fullest. And we can do that in honoring our parents. That's established in this community. So we come back to it, this idea of a community of believers, one in which God has designed for us to have a full life, one in which the office of parent is a high and worthy honor. I want to close with this. Isn't there a sense in which our parents are models of God? Absolutely. God is called our Heavenly Father, and He operates in the same way a parent should. He teaches us, He disciplines us, He gives us an identity. But our parents bear witness to God. God Himself is more than just a father. God is a perfect father. He calls us to honor our parents so that we learn how to honor authority that gives us a name. And he also says, in this community where I am the perfect father, no matter what your name is, your name is also a son and daughter of me. The God who provides not only deliverance, but also grace for you to be forgiven and for you to forgive and for you to learn to love and thrive in your relationship with your parents. And it reminds me of the movie Homeward Bound. Has anyone ever seen Homeward Bound? So Homeward Bound is about these three animals, two dogs and a cat, Shadow, Sassy, and Chance. And they, they, like leave, they, you know, they get lost in their house, and they go on this long adventure through the wilderness. Um, but there's this weird conversation that goes throughout the movie. If you've seen it recently... Uh, you may remember what I'm talking about. I don't know, about recently, you're like, in the last 12 years, um, I saw it a month ago, and it is so good. But, uh, so they constantly have this conversation that, like, Shadow, the oldest really wise dog, Shadow's always like, I can't wait to get back to home so I can see Peter. <laughs> Peter's the oldest son in the family that adopted these animals, and Peter is Shadow's master. That's, that's his boy. And, and, and Shadow is Peter's dog, and he loves that. And Chance, the silly kind of youngest dog, his master is Jamie, the youngest boy in the family. And Shadow says, Aren't you, don't you miss Jamie? Don't you want to see him? And Chance says this. Chance says, kind of, he adopted me, but it was really his home and not mine. And Shadow always kind of makes a joke that that's foolish and then he'll learn someday. And I'll spoil the end of the movie. They all come back to the house <laughs> at the end, and it is awesome. So they get back to the house, and they're all kind of rolling around, and they all start going in, and all the animals in the family go into the house. And the last scene of the movie is huge. Like, I was watching this with one of my friends, and we were like, dude, this is so the gospel. Because... <laughs> Like, we say a lot of things of the gospel, like, mm, Mary Catherine's cake is going to be the gospel. This is actually the gospel. So, 
like they all go in the house and Chance is sitting outside and he's like, you know what? Maybe I am Jamie's dog. And maybe that's okay. And he says this, for the first time in my life, I think I actually have a home here. Maybe this is where I'm meant to be. And as he's thinking about this, he gets interrupted because the door to the house opens. And who sticks his head out? Jamie does. And Jamie says, Chance, what are you doing out here? Come inside. And then he runs in, and Chance stops talking, and he runs inside. And the door closes, and it's like, cue the cheesy inspirational music. And it zooms out, and the credits start rolling up, and it's, oh, it's so good. But you notice something as it's zooming out. In the window, you can see what they're doing in the house. It's Thanksgiving. And they're having a feast. And I can't help but hear this story in light of this text and think, it's important that it's Thanksgiving, isn't it? A holiday where the family gathers together to be thankful. And this is specifically as a family that has been separated from each other and now they're back together. And there's something very much like God in Jamie when he sticks his head out of the door to call it a chance. It's like God sticks his head out of the door and says to us, you who want to be your own and who want to establish yourself apart from your family and apart from this community, that's not who you are. It's getting cold outside. It's getting dark. What are you doing out here? Come back in. We're having a feast. And there's a chair set for you at the table. It's not the master's chair. It's the chair of a son or daughter. Stop sitting out here in the cold. Come in and enjoy this because what you're going to find when you come in here is the community that I have set up for you. It's a feast. That's why we have communion. That's why when, when, we, when we do communion and we recognize our unity with God, we dine. We have some bread and we have some wine or grape juice. And we, we celebrate. And that's what this commandment is for. God calls us to honor our father and mother so that we can have a full life in the land that he is giving to us. So that makes it more than a commandment, right? This fifth commandment is an invitation to God's perfect community. It begins with how we interact with our parents. It follows through with how we interact with others in the community. And it always points us to God who knows us and loves us and welcomes us into his community. That's the message of the fifth commandment. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you so much that you give us authority and tell us who we are. And Father, we thank you that who we are in your community is not a slave, is not a prisoner, but is a son or a daughter of you, the perfect Father. We thank you for that. In your heavenly name, amen. Yeah. Oh, I need to turn it off. How do I do it? You do it. Oh, man.